Welcome to The Checkout. We catch up with previous Add to Cart guests and ask them five quick questions to get to know them better and leave you with a little extra inspiration to get you through your Friday. Today's Checkout features Brad Moran from Citrus Ad. They monetize the digital shelf of e-commerce retailing sites. Or to put it simply, they take the old school grocery shelf buying and make it accessible for online retailers so they can make additional revenue from the eyeballs that they attract. They power media sales and ad serving for more than half of the top 20 retailers in the world, including Tesco, Sainsbury's, Argos, Bed Bath & Beyond, and here in Australia, the iconic Woolworths and Coles. Brad, welcome to The Checkout. We've learned a lot about Citrus Ad and your journey so far. We're here to learn a little bit more about you. Five quick questions, mate. Number one, what's the weirdest thing that you've ever bought online? Believe it or not, I don't shop online very often, (laughs) even though I'm supposed to be an expert in online shopping. You just click on all the ads, don't you? I do. I do. I do. I'm one of these people that are so impatient that I can't wait for the online order to turn up, so I have to drive an hour to the store and pick it up immediately. So I'm one of those guys. Not not a click and collect user? No. No, no, no. Uh, I just don't have time, to be honest. I'm too busy building a business. I do, however, one channel that does always get me is Pinterest. So I'll go on Pinterest and I'll look at new things for my house or new things for the car or whatever it may be. And the Pinterest ads are so engaging that I ended up buying a full-on Iron Man mask. I was like, that is so cool. The video of it just shows the mask kind of opening and then kind of closing. And I'm like, I'm going to buy that. Like, do I need it? No, but it looks cool. And it's been sitting in my drawer ever since. But my son uses it. It is is pretty cool. So does it work exactly like advertised? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like full on Iron Man. I'm thinking during COVID, it's like, well, the restrictions are a mask. I don't say you can't wear an Iron Man mask. I mean, you're just like this six foot seven bloke walking around like the shopping center with the Iron Man mask on because some of them they look freaky as and and, and, they, and this one was built as a as a, an actual bicycle helmet, so it's got the full oh. padding inside and everything. So it you know it was practical as well as. Um, you know, cool. I just needed the full Iron Man get up then to go with it. But that's, amazing. Yeah, that's, probably, that's, probably, that's probably the weirdest thing I bought. There's a bunch of other stuff that buys you some decent cool dad points too. Yep, it does. But Pinterest gets me at least every second time I'm on there, I'll click on something that I do not need, but it's a contraption that just looks cool. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can see where I need that. Yeah, I'll find a way to use that. Yeah, exactly. All right, number two, who is your favorite retailer? Tough question given the retailers that you work with. Yeah, I was going to say to work with, to buy from, <laughs> to buy from. Well, we've established that you don't buy online. <laughs> it's true. Who do you think's doing a good job? I think, like, kudos to all the startups out there who are having a crack. Like, you know, all, all the all the small boutique online stores that are that are having a go. Like, I do. I admire the way that they're taking on such big duopolies in Australia and sort of carving through the market. Um, but I, I have a soft spot for the homegrown guys, you know. So I, I, I don't like the conglomerates coming in and sort of dominating, which I'd like to see less of and I'd like to see Australian retail and the government somehow combine to work out how to win, obviously with the most ethical standards, but to, to win. But I do do a bit of shopping off the Iconic, obviously, and buy, buy, my, buy my clothes there and I buy my, buy my groceries off Drakes.com, not all Drakes. of calls. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Well, JP was a was a was an investor in Citrus and uh and a and a good friend of mine now. So 
I make an effort to try and shop as local as I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one. Uh, yeah. So that, that's my two. That's my two retailers, but nothing fancy really. All right. Number three. Which e-commerce practice do you wish was history? Well, one thing that grinds my gears a little bit about the about any retailer really that I buy from online is when when the product isn't good. I guess it's about knowing what type of customer you're dealing with too. Because I would say I'm like every customer. I'm I'm a high sort of value purchase customer that is fairly low maintenance. But when something's wrong, it's wrong. Like if, if I, you kind of want to say to them, "Hey, look, if I'm making a fuss, it's genuinely a fuss." And what they should do is just go, "Here's a brand new whatever you've just bought. We'll come and collect the old one." Don't worry about it because I know, you know what, for the next 10 years, you're probably going to spend a lot more money. Mm. And that's not just me. That's a, that's a lot of people. So I had my co-founder buy a TV off Harvey Norman. No offense, Harvey Norman because I know it's a franchise thing. <laughs> it's no one's fault. But so this is a guy that's just come into squillions of dollars and he's probably going to spend, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. on electronics over the next five, 10 years. And he sat there without a working TV for two weeks. And I'm like, okay, you could have, well, you can't actually put them in your car these days because it's like big. Yeah. So it's like, okay, what, at what point does the store go, we're just going to go out there and get it because and, and, yeah. we don't want to really irritate this guy. So, so I guess like it doesn't matter what size you are, like customer service, like if your customer service is really good and, 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 and you handle complaints really well, and we get used to it as a B2B customer because, you know, whenever there's a complaint, you just jump to make it better. <laughs> You know, yeah. customer service at the forefront is everything, you know. It makes so. sense. And those customers, there is, you know, understanding what the customer values because the, to your point is that there's customers that don't really value the price point. It's not the dollar value. It's the mm. time value. It's I'm here to solve a problem. I don't care what the what the process is, but just solve my problem for me and I'm willing to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, and look, to be fair, I shouldn't bag Harvey Norman because they actually do it much better than everybody else. I'm, I made the fatal mistake of buying a TV off jbhifi.com. Didn't realize again that it's a totally different store. It came to the house. It wasn't the right size. I'd already taken it out of the box, put it on the wall, and they're like, no, you've already taken it out of the box. We're not replacing it. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm never buying from you again. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of – you obviously do, but it kind of leaves you with that thought of – so I called the store and the store – basically looked after everything for me. So just buy from the store from now on. So like they came and picked it up and I was like, hey, I'm happy to upgrade to a better TV. And yeah. uh, But it's just that small-minded kind of thinking of, of not, not thinking about the bigger picture. Oh, I saw what you did there with TVs. Don't, don't take offense, JB Hi-Fi. Yeah. Don't take offense, Harry Norman. <laughs> just... I'll put you in a tricky spot there. I know, I know. All so, right, number four. Number four, let's move on. Can you recommend a book or a podcast that our listeners should immediately get into? Well, this one, of course. Oh, you thank know. you. And I was about to return the favour saying the future book that you're about to write. <laughs> um, look, I'm not a big, per- I'm not a big book person, uh, and I wouldn't want to just be cliche and go, oh, "Read this book," you know. But um, for anyone that wants to understand the life of a founder, whether you've watched this movie series or not, watch it again with this lens. So I always bring an analogy to. A founder being like Frodo from The Lord of the Rings. And I bring that analogy because, one, it's a 10-hour journey that, you know, it's a long journey. <laughs> um, you as a founder have this heavy burden of this ring that, you know, only you can hold. 
And all you want to do all across the three movies is just give it to someone else. It's like, hey, mm. Gandalf, take it for a bit, you know, Samwise, you take it. But ultimately, you're responsible. It's your ring to hold. And it, it paints a picture of what the startup journey is like as it's got its highs and its lows. But what it tells you is that you need to surround yourself with very, very capable, supportive people in order to get there in the end. Because you ain't going to get there by yourself. And so, you know, you, you, you look at all the different characters in the film, but if you can try and spin, try and look at it from a founder's perspective now when you watch it again and go, okay, how does, the, how does Frodo relate to a founder? And, and then it kind of paints a whole new perspective on Lord of the Rings and how it was sort of created. That's awesome. And then, and, then, and then if you kind of want to get a realistic sense of it, watch House of Cards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that teaches you a little bit about the... Uh, what you're in for from a corporate perspective. Mm. Uh, so, on the uh, the Lord of the Rings example, who's been your Gollum? Gollum, yeah, Gollum's change. Mm-hmm. So, so Gollum, I, I would find that, that it's interesting that you asked that question. So, I obviously know who Samwise is, my co-founder, but we we obviously carry the burden uh, together. And there's a reason they say that dual founders are thirty percent more likely to make it than than single founders because you just got so much emotional baggage to work through with, mm. with, with your co-founder. But yeah, Gollum changes. People come and they feel like they're helping for a while. But again, it's a very good analogy that you bring up with Gollum because Gollum often happens to a lot of the senior guys you bring into your business that they want the ring for themselves. Yeah. You know, or even a, or even a shareholder or a director. It can be anyone that gets yep. influenced by the power of wanting to own that fame that supposedly comes with being a founder and how you know that kind of notoriety or whatever you want to call it it's that it's the power especially after you've done the hard work at the base of the mountain yeah exactly exactly (laughs) right so um you do have to be always weary about who you can trust in business i've been very fortunate to have some really good guys i work with along the way but you know i had some not so good guys that i learned off too Mm. so you know you learn you learn what not to hire as well as what to hire. It's a brilliant analogy. Thanks for sharing. All right. Number five, last question. I finish this sentence. The future of retail is? Citrus. <laughs> uh, yeah. Self-plug. I, I would say the future of retail is going to be Amazon and Uber unless we as a retail ecosystem do something about it. And it's not about... Woolies competing with Coles. It's not about JB competing with Harvey Norman. It's about Australian retailers together, collectively, competing against Amazon, eBay, Uber. Because at the end of the day, they're all fighting together in the same battle. Not not for lion's share of market share of like sales, but the ad industry is what's up for grabs. And if these retailers work together, like we found that the the more Coles invested, the more benefit Woolies would receive. Mm. So they they would all grow together because together you have this, you know, think of it as like Citrus Ad working across the both platforms. It's like, well, Citrus Ad right now working with Coles and Woolies is gigantic compared to the Amazon ads business. So if we can keep it that way and we can keep, that's why I talk about the 12-month period. If you can start investing now into retail media and you can start getting ahead of them in terms of media dollars, you will starve Amazon yep. of their profits, which means it makes it harder for them to scale. Right? So 
not impossible. Obviously, very big business. They know what they're doing. <laughs> this is not a bag on Amazon, but it, it is a bit of like, you know, patriotism and making sure that Australian retailers do the right thing and, you know, all work together, stop seeing themselves as competitors and start seeing themselves as uh, mm. mutual friends now as the UK market does and as the American market does. Mm. You know, these big retailers are now t- are in talks about working together to combat the greater forces, right? Yeah. And you gave a great overview in the main episode around what the next three years could look like um, and are projected to look like with Amazon. And what I took from that as well is that for retailers to be successful moving forward, we've got to stop thinking of us as just retailers, that there's other revenue opportunities, other partnership opportunities, so much more when you've got an engaged customer, you've got huge numbers of customers relying on you. There's more ways to connect and make a profitable business than just buying low and selling higher. Correct. And who would have thought, I mean, obviously the name of Uber has been around for quite a while. Amazon's been around forever and everyone's like, you know, Amazon will come and Amazon's going to kill us and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it takes a while, right? But And everyone sort of is, is aware of and acutely aware of Amazon. But people wouldn't have thought that Uber Eats is going to start eating into their revenues. But ultimately, when you've got a commodity, when you sell a commodity product that's made by somebody else, if you don't, give another X factor to your distribution center, which is effectively your stores. So that's an in-store immersive experience or we won't even get onto the metaverse. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I see that unless retailers continue to innovate in, in lots of different ways, the, the, these unassuming companies like Uber can pivot into your industry in a heartbeat because they have the last mile, right? And they have the technology and all they do is they go, you know what, instead of loading restaurants now we're going to load milk bread and eggs mm. and it's it may only be three products or panadol or whatever it is mm. but it's enough yep to take 10 20 market share off of coles or woolies once the crack's exposed yep brad thank you so much for joining us on the checkout uh, great to have you thanks very much to hear more from brad jump back into episode 164 where brad shares how retailers can earn anywhere from an additional 5k a month to $10 million a month in revenue by making their website real estate available for bidding. We also go in-depth on the emergence of Amazon in Australia, why category terms are more powerful than brand terms in search, and we talk about the chasm of death when it comes to selling the business that you have founded. Sounds delightful. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep adding to cart.